Back to the Stone Pillar podcast, where we explore the teaching ministry of South Paris Baptist Church. I am your host, Dane Sampson. And I'm Brian Wilbur. Well, Dane, uh, I don't know if it's our first blooper, <laughs> but uh, a few bloopers. <laughs> but we, 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 uh, I, I, I had a bit of a, a blooper on, on the previous podcast. And I don't know if, uh, if any of our listeners uh, caught the blooper or wondered what was up with something. Um, but let me, just, let me just kind of explain what happened. Go ahead. <laughs> so, you know, in, in the last episode of the podcast, we were, we were talking about um, how we can struggle to relate to others who are different than we are. And I forget it exactly what point in, you know, in, in the, in the discussion, I was talking about that, but, um, but in the context of that discussion, I, I shared what I thought was a really great quote. And of course, uh, it, it is a really great quote, but what happened was I read the quote and you said something like, you know, I'll have to think about that. And as I'm, as I'm, I, I, I'm not sure exactly when this happened, but as I'm, as I'm like starting to think about the quote I just read, I'm realizing that, you know what, this, this quotation actually isn't saying what I thought it said, you know, and yep. then, and then I read it a second time and it, it was difficult, you know, it was difficult to, um, do I do I do I reflect off the cuff on the fact that um, this quotation is not is not saying what I think it's saying, or do I just kind of like punt and you know? Well, I'll get maybe I'll correct it next week. But in the you know in the podcast itself last week, I just after I read the quote the second time, I just like I just moved on, like mm-hmm. I, because I I realized that I didn't think it was saying what I thought it was saying. So here's the quote. The quote was. Um, from John Trapp, uh, sinful self-love causes men to dislike those things in others that they favor and flatter in themselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, what, what, what I had thought the quote was saying was that, that I, I, you know, that the, you know, the qualities that I like in myself, um, the opposite qualities I would be inclined to dislike in others. Like if I, you know, if I'm, if I'm strong, I despise the weak, or if I'm smart, I despise the uneducated, or if I'm rich, I despise the poor. But actually, that's not what this quote is saying. This quote is saying that my, my sinful self-love is such that there are times when I will actually um, despise those who are like me, <laughs> okay? like. Sinful self-love causes men to dislike those things in others that they favor and flatter in themselves. Uh, and, and, you know, it, it, th- 
this this is worth reflecting on too. It's different from what we were talking about last week, but uh, sin it, sin is so sin ruins everything, and sin can go in so many different directions. In my sinfulness, I can be so preoccupied with myself and with my own glory that sometimes, you know, sometimes I uh, dislike those who are different from me. Mm-hmm. But here, what he's saying is there's sometimes, sometimes I dislike people who are like me. Right. Like, hey, um, I want to be, I want to be the rich benefactor in my own little group here. And so I'm, yeah, so I don't, I don't like, I don't like, I don't like the prospect of another rich benefactor showing up right. or I fancy myself to have a great sense of humor and I'm the one who makes everybody laugh mm-hmm. and somebody else shows up who has a good sense of humor and makes people laugh. No, I don't, I don't, I don't think I like that guy mm. or, um, you know, maybe, maybe I, maybe I, I, I view myself as, as sophisticated and, you know, uh, you know, high culture and, um, you know, people admire that in me. And then somebody else shows up who, who is, mm. is similar to that. And I'm like, Ooh, I f- maybe I feel threatened by that. Um, so I, I Really, I just want to acknowledge the blooper. I want to acknowledge the fact that the quotation that I gave last week actually bore no relation to what I was actually talking about. But, but you know, uh, uh, Dane, um, it is worth thinking about this for just a couple of minutes. Um, the fact that um, we, 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 depending on the day, the circumstance, the, the feeling that we have, the nature of the relationship, we, we will actually look down upon people for any and every reason. Yeah. It might be because they're different. It might be because they're not different. Mm-hmm. But when we're operating in the sinful flesh, we, we, we want to be so, uh, we, want, we want to be self-exalted, mm-hmm. you know, and we want it to be our own show. Mm-hmm. And so we will, you know, we will push people away that, that somehow undermine that in our perception. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's that, you know, self love is like a kind of a catchphrase nowadays. Yeah. You got to love yourself. And I, I'm, you know, I don't think that that's necessarily wrong in all cases. Like you should, you should take care of yourself, but like the sinful elements of self love, like you were saying, like disliking, you know, that which you value in yourself and other people, um, you know, just kind of playing with this a little bit. It's not something that we typically, when we, when we talk about sinful behavior, this isn't like typically what we, what we, we gravitate to as like an example. Um, but thinking about it, I can think of a number of examples where it's like two people don't like each other. They're like, oh man, I can't stand that person. They just grate on my nerves. And then you, you talk to them and you're like, do you realize that the reason, like they're just like you. <laughs> and that that that's kind of such a funny phenomenon that like two people who are uh, m- more or less like by all like outward appearances they should be friends they should be like they got a lot in common um but they dislike each other because they're like cut from the same cloth so to speak mm-hmm. and that's such a strange thing and it's like that that the sinful nature of that self love is like the the you know, another catchphrase of today is narcissism, where it's like, it's all about me. And I'm like, I'm the spotlights on me and I'm center stage. 
and no one else gets to share center stage with me. I'm the star of the show of my own life. And any other stars come into this, into the show that I'm part of, and it's like they're a threat. And they're gonna undermine my stardom in this in this area. And that's just such an interesting phenomenon. It's like, yeah, like sin just it is it is such it's like a sponge, like we are a sponge like soaked up with sin and like every little squeeze on that sponge and the sin is just pouring out from this orifice, that orifice, it just comes out of all the different holes and uh, makes itself manifest in all sorts of different uh, selfish ways. It's really, really quite interesting, actually, to think about that, how sin, how sin is so pervasive how it's like that it doesn't make sense in some ways and really when it when it let's just think in terms of like genuinely good qualities whether it's good character qualities or whether it's the particular ways in which we're 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 gifted and equipped to to serve others or to serve the body of christ we we in humility we should actually um welcome people who are who are like us or who are better than us, who, who, are, who are more mature than us, or who are better equipped than us. And it really, t it really tests, it tests what do we really love? You know, right. do, 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 yeah. do we love, do we love the, do we love the gift? Let's say it's a, a gift, um, gift of mercy, gift of teaching, gift of administration, whatever. Do we love the gift because it's useful to the body of Christ? Or do we love the gift because we have it, and it—that's what gives us our sense of identity. Yeah, you know, um, or or you know, or even if it's a if it's a let's say it's a moral quality like like faithfulness. You know, do I do I do I admire faithfulness because I like to think of myself as being faithful, or do I really do I really stand in awe of the faithfulness of God and how that virtue gets worked out in the lives of His people, such that I'm glad to see it wherever it shows up. So it just really, it really just, it really tests, like, am I, am I really focused on myself and, you know, what I'm getting out of this? Or do I, am I really setting my mind on the interests of Jesus Christ? That's what, you right. know, Paul, Paul, Paul commended Timothy for being a man who was, he was, his concerns were the interests of Jesus Christ. Yeah. He, he was he was aligned with Christ's agenda. Right. And, and that's and that's what we need to do also. Absolutely. And that identity element, like our identity can't be in the gifts from the Father. And our identity needs to be in Christ. And like we should share in our identity in Christ. And the gifts are just, you know, whoever has the gifts has the gifts for whatever purpose, for the service of those who are in Christ. Um, so it's like, it's one analogy that I think is actually very helpful to me <clears throat> in is because like, you know, obviously the listener knows that like, uh, and you, you will know this as well. Like my background is medicine, emergency medicine, rescue and such in the context of rescue and medicine, the rescuer, the, the medic, the person caring for the person who is injured, whoever that person may be, the cares of that individual are not what drives the treatment of the person who is injured. The care of the person who is injured drives the treatment for the person who is injured. So 
the the rescuer has to uh, put aside their own what they might want for the benefit of another person. Um, and they have to set that aside because it's it's not it's not uh, is not effective to bring into like say a healthcare setting or an EMS, an e emergency medical service setting. It is not beneficial to bring in, let's say you had a bad day. Let's say you, you had a, a personal disappointment in your life and you bring that, that, that bad attitude into a context and then you, well, I'm going to cut corners and slack on how I treat my patients. Well, in this case, I see a similarity where it's like this, you know, we've got, we've got people who are, they have more value in Christ than the gift has in, let's say, an individual, or let's say the gift in me. Like a gift in me has, is not as valuable as us together in Christ. Us together in Christ, we have a, a higher mandate. We have a, there's something supreme and transcendent that we both are submitted to and subject to. And in that relationship, all this other stuff is simply to help facilitate the mission. It is not the mission itself. The mission is in Christ. The mission is our unity in Christ. And that is transcendent over whatever gifts that the Father may give us. Because the, the gifts that the Father gives us, he, he may give a gift for a season and then withdraw that gift according to his prerogative. So if we don't operate according to, let's say, the, uh, this is a phrase that I love, is the commander's intent. If we are not operating according to the commander's intent, then we misappropriate our focus and we place it on the gift, the subjective gift, whatever that may be. And then that's a, that's a perversion of our mission. We are now... We are now derailed. I don't know. That's kind of like I'm knitting together a few different thoughts. And sometimes that's how my mind works. It's like a big salad of ideas. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know if that makes sense. If it's, if well, it's well, beneficial, well, well, you know, what we are, I mean, what, what, I, what we are, what we are together in Christ is, 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 uh, that's a beautiful thing. And, you know, we are, I, I was going to have the mentality that I'm using my, I'm using my life, my resources, my, my influence in order to further the the commander's agenda. Right. Um, yeah. so, so something you said, a uh, nice little segue here, I think. Something you said though, about how the 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 care of the patient drives the treatment. Um, you know, that's that's really interesting to me because um, just thinking about this podcast, for example. Um, um, I mean, obviously, you and I are going to bring our own. Uh, our own, our own gifting, our own, you know, what we're currently thinking about or that sort of thing to the, to the table. But we, we, you know, we, we actually want listeners to be edified, helped and strengthened through this podcast. Mm, amen. And that's one reason why, um, we, 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 we welcome, we welcome questions, mm -hmm. questions or, uh, or ideas, um, you know, um, someone, someone just passed along to me an idea about, uh, 
not that there wasn't an, and it was not an entirely new idea to me. It would just be like, Hey, you know, basically they were, this guy was like, Hey, you know, uh, you gotta, you gotta have some women on the podcast to, you know, to share their stories. Um, you know, and, and that's a, that's a great idea. Um, and then it's really great when we hear, uh, when we hear questions. Um, so I think you, I think you, you have a question that somebody yeah. threw over to you. Yeah. One of our brothers came up to me after service and, um, he had this really cool question, um, about the glory of God. Like what is the glory of God? And then I thought that was an awesome question because, uh, well, there's a lot of different ways that that can be that we can tackle that. Um, I have my thoughts prepared, but I want to kick that back to you. And like, like you always like to say, what say you? (laughs) (laughs) It's a very, it's a very good question. And, um, it's the kind of question that demands careful study, you know, careful study of different passages of the Bible. But I'm, I'm just going to speak out of the kind of the, kind of the working, kind of the working theological understanding that I've had about uh, glory for a very long time. Um, and it might, you know, it might help uh, before I, describe it, it might be helpful for people to have in mind something like what Isaiah experienced um, in Isaiah chapter 6, um, where the, I think it's the, the, the seraphim, you know, the seraphim are, are calling out, holy, holy, holy is, is the Lord God Almighty, the whole earth is full of His glory. Mm. And so, the, so the, way, the way that I understand the glory of God is that it is the it is the external manifestation of his inward excellence and holiness mm. so so yeah. the triune god in himself is indescribably holy perfect excellent we can't we can't wrap we, we can't wrap our minds around it, uh, we, but and but yet we we recognize that God is he's 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 transcendent he's holy he's in a class by himself mm-hmm. um, he's not like us. However, um, the Holy One created a world, um, and he created the world in order to make his 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 inward holiness his 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 internal excellence to to make it um to make it visible to make it manifest and that 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 display that manifestation of the holiness of god is the glory of god so 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 the the, the glory of god is is the holiness of God revealed? Yes. Pub- publicized, displayed, made known, so that it can be seen. You know, um, uh, another another scripture that comes to mind is um, the heavens declare the glory of God, <laughs> and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Or th- think about think about one other uh, one other passage here. Um, that goes along with this concept of, of display, 
the, the, the display of the internal holiness and excellence of God. John 1.14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Yes. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Then verse 18 says, no one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. No one has ever seen the, the, the Father, like, just, just, a, just, a, just a clear sight of the Father. No, no one has ever seen the Father except, except for the Son. Mm-hmm. But then the Word became flesh to make the Father known. And, and, and we see, we see the, 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 you know, the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, as Paul says in one of his letters. So um, I, would, I would also add a couple more, uh, just a few more concepts in here that are, that are kind of all interrelated. Um, I was just listening to another podcast earlier today, and, and, and it reminded me about how um, another aspect of the glory of God is, is, is the fact that it's, it's uh, weightiness. It, yes. it's it, yes. it's it's the it's 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 weighty it's he he he's 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 majestic it's it's uh you know it's it, it's magnificent it's awesome mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and so this 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 glory of god is it's multifaceted and it's very rich and overwhelmingly Good, and it's actually something that I've something that I've I've, I've learned from uh, from the the theologian New New early New England theologian Jonathan Edwards through John Piper is that when you think about glory and you think about beauty, it's it's the it's the it's the juxtaposition of diverse attributes that actually helps to show forth the, 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 the beauty of the glory of God. It, so it's not, it's not his, his righteousness in isolation or his justice in isolation or his mercy in isolation or his grace in, in isolation or his wisdom in isolation, but it's how, it's how all of his attributes come together in perfection. Yeah, you know, um, he he he's 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 perfect, and you know you see, for example, at the cross you see the righteousness of God displayed, Romans chapter three, but you also see the love of God displayed, mm-hmm. Roman I think Romans chapter five, mm-hmm. you know, um, Jesus here right John one fourteen full of grace and truth. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the pre-incarnate son, equal with the father, condescends and, and becomes the perfect embodiment of humility, lowliness of mind, obedience. He's the, he's, the, he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And all of this is, all of this is on display God, God is internally holy and excellent and perfect, but that we would see it, God puts it on display for us, um, and we see it. We see it ultimately in Jesus. But the final thought I want to say in my first crack at this question is, 
we're called to glorify God. Yes, right. And so I would, I would, I would, I would invite my listeners and all of us to, to track this train of thought is that what does it mean then to glorify God? Yeah. Well, it's not, it's not enough. It's not enough to simply verbalize we, we glorify God or we praise you, though we should verbalize it. Um, and it should be a, a, a heartfelt, cherished verbalization where it's not mere words, but it's actually the delight of our hearts. Like John, you know, John Piper's famous statement, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. But, but just like we have seen in Ephesians chapter 3, God's intention is to display his manifold wisdom Mm-hmm. through the church. And so we actually, and, and in, in, uh, in, in Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus calls us the light of the world. And you, you think of the display of the manifold wisdom of God. You think about we're the light of the world, and, and we're called to glorify God. And, and, and we, we, we glorify God by making his glory, which is, you know, ma- making, making his character, making his holiness, making his wisdom, making it known, hmm. making it known not only through words, but through embodied deeds and embodied relationships. And so people, people get a, 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 a glimpse of the divine glory when we reflect the character of God in our relationships with one another. Absolutely. So that's, so that's, that's my yeah. understanding of the glory of God and how we then are called to glorify God both in word and deed. Yeah, I think that's great. I think I think you really explained what the glory of God is. <laughs> it's awesome. I have a few things that are, are that I'm along the same lines. I'm, I'm tracking with that. Um, I I had made this note when looking into this that, and I like that the multifaceted yeah. you use of that word. Because that that brings me back to Jacob wrestling in the many faces of yeah, God, yeah, you know, and that's that's kind of an interesting little connection sidebar. But I had writ, wrote this down that the, the multifaceted nature of God's manifested attributes. So He has manifested His attributes in a multifaceted nature. So it's not like you said; it's not just this one thing or that other thing. There's a there's a holistic understanding of what it is when we say like the glory of God it's this a very you know it's, a, it's like a catchphrase it's like a, a, a brief phrase a, a small placeholder for a humongous and literally in that an immeasurable idea of what God is and and it's too big for our heads to really completely wrap itself around but I did find some verses and you would taking some of my favorite references for you, for yourself, like Psalm, Psalm 19 and, and John 1 were, were two of my references I was going to use, but hey, that was good. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, Exodus 33:18. we have in Exodus 33:18. I'm already turned there. Moses is speaking and he says, please show me your glory. Mm-hmm. And the Lord says to Moses, I shall cause my goodness to pass before you and I shall proclaim the name of the Lord before you and, and I shall favor him whom I favor and I shall have compassion on whom I have compassion. And, and we have this, in this passage, we have that moment where um, 
Moses gets to see the back of the glory of God. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, an interest, that's an interesting thing. So like he's asking, show me your glory um, like it's something that can be seen. Um, and we have you know, some references uh, for the, the term glory of God. Like the first time that it is used in reference to the Lord is in Exodus 16, 7. This is an interesting passage because it's where the Lord provides meat and manna for the nation. And he says to them, he says, you know, look toward the wilderness and behold the glory of the Lord as it appears in the cloud. So we see the glory of the Lord as the cloud over the nation and the pillar of fire. Um, The glory of the Lord appears in the burning bush. It appears in the cloud, and these are uh, forms, ways of which that he made his glory visible. But obviously it's not the fullness, because the the fullness of the multifaceted nature of God's glory and as his attributes are being manifested, these are very very limited manifestations of his glory. You get to see the, the nation got to see the glory of God on Mount Sinai as it came down on the mountain. Um, and uh, that was, you know, fire and clouds and thunder and lightning representing the glory of God. Yeah, overwhelming, overwhelming. Oh, completely overwhelming. Not casual. Uh, for the, for the Not people. Not casual, yeah. So, like, <clears throat> doing, the, doing the word study on this, like you had mentioned, um, the, the word for glory is uh, is kavod and kavod is a, is a masculine noun and it means weight it means splendor and here's a good word copiousness his his glory is copious there, there is no end it is mm-hmm. overfilling mm-hmm. it is overflowing mm-hmm. so from this you know we get the idea of glory and there's a, a primitive root for that that is um, for kavod, and that is uh, kavad and kaved. Um, and this means to be heavy, to be numerous, to be abounding with. So like in Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis 18, their sins were very grievous. Mm-hmm. They were abounding with sin. Mm-hmm. And we see that primitive root used mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Um, we see uh, this primitive root used for the first time in Genesis 13. Um, that actually might be worth looking at, but that's using it in the context of being rich. Like mm-hmm. Abraham was very rich. Um, it is used to mean honor, oftentimes. Uh, a passage that is uh, another passage in the New Testament that kind of builds on the glory of God is, you know, in Luke 2, 32, um, he is the light of revelation to the Gentiles and glory to his people, the glory to the people of Israel. So we see like there's, this is some of the clues to the multifaceted nature of God because God is the source of wisdom. He is the very embodiment and source of all wisdom and love and creativity and beauty and strength and compassion. These attributes make him weighty. He is wonderful. He is full of wonder. And this wonder is expressed in these many different manifestations of his glory. Um, 
the magnificent loveliness of his perfect eternal grandeur. I like that. That was something that I, I like that a lot. Can you say uh, it again? The magnificent loveliness of his perfect eternal grandeur. Like he is so grand. He is so full of wonder. God communicates his glory to us through creation. He communicates his glory through his image bearers and his providence and his plan of redemption. And through unity with Christ, we get to share and we're partakers of his glory. And that is exceptional. He is the source of all wisdom, love, creativity, beauty, strength, and compassion. Mm -hmm. And as we are growing in Christ, we are growing into the fullness of this perfect man in Ephesians 4, and we are growing into the wisdom of the perfect man, and the love of the perfect man, and the creativity of the perfect man, and the beauty of the perfect man, his strength, and his compassion. These multifaceted attributes of the eternal, wonderful God are are expressed and demonstrated through his son. And now we, as partakers and sharers in Christ, we get folded into his manifold glory. Mm-hmm. And we get, to be, we get to be part of that. Mm-hmm. What an amazing, extraordinary mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. So it's like this, his glory is just all over the place. His glory is, is, uh, is really kind of hard to just give a simple definition because his glory is not a simple thing. You, you see it in, we see it, you know, uh, I love the, uh, we see it in creation. We see it in his, um, the heavens and the earth declare the glory of God. His fingerprints, wherever he puts his fingerprints, wherever he touches, like like the, the story Midas, Midas has the golden touch. Everything that he touches turns to gold. Well, God has the, the glorious touch, where everything he touches, where he puts his hands, reflects mm. his glory. Mm. So that's that's how I have been interacting with it, and it's been really cool, really rich. And and we we should glorious. <laughs> we should not be satisfied with anything less than the enjoyment of the glory of God. I mean, yeah. you know, I was just thinking of Romans chapter one, where Paul describes the, uh, the the wickedness of the human race, and he says in Romans one twenty two and twenty three, claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. I mean, we we are we are invited to behold the glory of God. In the heavens, mm-hmm. we are invited to behold the glory of God in the earth, right? The holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. I think a, a similar passage says, full of a steadfast love. Uh, we are invited to behold the glory of God in Christ Jesus uh, supremely. You know, that, that's the supreme manifestation of the glory of God. We're to behold the glory of God in 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 the, in the scriptures and the promises of God and and even in each other as 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 uh, as image bearers of God and reflectors we're like you know like the moon to the sun we're reflectors mm-hmm. of the glory of God and how sad it is when we exchange that for for 
trash and triviality on our electronic devices or the the just the the small and narrow concerns of our own anxious hearts and this kind of we you know kind of looking within just to you know constantly reflect on our own imperfections we're we're fundamentally not created to uh you know to be preoccupied with our own our own imperfections that's the sure way of going deeper into them uh, we're created to behold the glory of god in the face of jesus christ and to behold the glory of god in those other those other places where god god puts echoes and glimpses and tastes of his glory and so i would encourage all of us to just think practically in our lives about where are we where are we cheapening the experience of our own life by settling for substitutes settling for idols uh and they're always pathetic substitutes and idols so yeah yeah right you know like substituting the temporal for the eternal like yeah instead of the eternal i want the temporal right instead of what lasts i want what fleets what is fleeting what is right what is what is not made of substance i'll exchange that and have the the cheap instead of the the quality or the the created instead of the creator and it is it is a it is a masterful perversion and there's nothing wonderful in that because you've just cut yourself off yeah from the very source that's right of wonder that's right that's right now um in all of this uh we we need the word of god which also in its own way reveals the glory of God to us. Mm-hmm. Um, we need the word of God. And, and uh, you, have been, you have been studying uh, Psalm 119 and uh, Deuteronomy 5 and 6 and, and the Proverbs, and you've been, you've been thinking through how, how do these, you know, what, what, are the, what are the interrelationships between these passages and and, and, you know, and, 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 and what are the implications of this for, for parenting? Um, um, although it's about much more than parenting, but, but including that. Um, so, you know, uh, we got a little time here. Why don't you, why don't you begin to share some of the fruit of your, of your labors? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Yeah. The, <clears throat> the study of Psalm 119 has been very, um, very expansive and in depth. And as such, I'm, I'm going to have to keep my thoughts fairly uh, focused and and narrow them down to um, the implications. What the implications, like you said, for parents and their children, um, and there is personal implications if you if you don't have children um, as well. But I'm going to be focusing in on the the connections that I've seen as far as parents and parenting. Yeah. Um, so in in Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy six or chapter five, in chapter Deuteronomy five, we get the Ten Commandments, and then in Deuteronomy six we have the what is known as the Shema, the Hero Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength, and these words which I am commanding you today shall be in your heart, and you shall impress them upon your children, and you shall speak of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up and you shall bind them 
as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And um, I, I started to notice connections between this passage, which talks about, and you shall impress them upon your children, and uh, Psalm 119, which uh, is, is um, the, anyone who studies Psalm 119 will immediately learn that this is an acrostic, uh, an acrostic, like acrostic, think like acronym. Um, an acrostic is a poetic structure where every verse, it, it, the Psalm 119 is broken up into 22 eight verse stanzas. And the acrostic pattern is that in those stanzas, those stanzas each correspond with the Hebrew alphabet. And in like, so the Hebrew alphabet starts off with Aleph and then it goes to Beit and Gimel, Dalet, Hey. So in Aleph, you have eight verses. Each of those eight verses begins with an Aleph. That's the acrostic pattern. Then in Beit, each of those eight verses begins with a Beit. And then Gimel, and likewise, it follows that pattern mm -hmm. all the way through. And this is a, a memory device um, for teaching children, like you would like when an acronym, to help you remember things that um, uh, are important or worthwhile, that you might need to remember under stress. So in the military, we've got like an endless Rolodex of acronyms <laughs> to help us remember all sorts of things and, mm -hmm. and big concepts can be condensed down into an acronym and you can store that in your brain and it's much easier. So uh, this is similar in that. And that communicates to me that there is an urgency and a, an, an imperative nature to understanding what is being said. And, is, and it starts off in the second stanza, which is the stanza of bait. It starts off with how a young man may keep his way pure. So I'm, I'm seeing a connection between, you know, impressing these things upon your children and how a young man may keep his way pure. And then moving forward, so this is just kind of a bird's eye view first, into Proverbs. We, Proverbs has three different sections of it. While the entire book of Proverbs is full of wisdom, there are three sections that are specifically dealing with young men or, or the youth. Um, and that would be like Proverbs 1.8 to 9.18. Um, I, I coined this as the battle of wisdom and folly. And you see wisdom and folly juxtaposed in this, in this area. And it's like, you know, folly is bound up in the heart of a child. Um, and and through the practice of wisdom, folly is made weaker and wisdom is made stronger. And in this walk, in this way of practicing wisdom, that's going to be the best possible practice for your life. Um, then uh, there's another portion of uh, Proverbs, three portions, that, that was the first one. The second one is Proverbs 23, 15 to 24, 22 which is talking about wisdom and it's now juxtaposing wise actions, wise behavior with envy. And it's like, you know, at three times in that area, it's like, you know, young men, you know, don't, don't be envious. So that's essentially the, the theme, the thrust of that message. And then Proverbs 31 talks about the wisdom of the, the noble and virtuous woman. And it is advising young men on uh, what is a good woman. Um, and Proverbs deals with the wicked woman, um, the foolish woman, it deals with the, uh, the woman who is living a meaningless life. And it cautions young men strongly against pursuing these paths of folly that lead into um, the company of foolish women.
So there's a lot of just practical advice there, but there's a clear connection. Um, in Deuteronomy, we see this impressing this upon your children, um, but that follows having this in your own heart. So first, you have the law, the Ten Commandments, and then you have this being impressed upon your own heart, and then you impress this upon your children, and then you speak of these things when you sit, and when you walk, and when you lie down, and when you rise up, and then you bind these things as like a sign post um, uh, between your hands. And that, that's like what you do with your hands. And they shall be frontless between your eyes. It should, be, it should be governing what you think about and the thoughts on your mind. And it should, be, it should be in a prominent place so you can't forget it. It should be on the doorposts of your house. So it's, there is no way that you can forget it. Now, what's interesting in these Ten Commandments is, is the, uh, the, the grammar that is occurring here. The words, it's like where it says, you do not bring the name of the Lord your God to not, you know, you do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, you know. This you terminology, which occurs throughout the Decalogue, and it occurs into the Shema, and you shall impress this upon your children, you today shall, these things shall be in your heart, these things that I'm commanding you. This you is the Hebrew word atah, and it is the second person singular masculine. And while that sounds like a big mouthful, what it, it, what it means is you personally, individually, in the masculine singular. It is, is this burden, this unction is put upon men primarily as the leaders of their families. And it is for each individual. It, there's, no, there's nothing corporate about, it's not like you can spread the guilt out corporately and be like, well, you know, it's like the church's job to raise my children. It's, no, it's your job as a father, as a parent, it is your job and this is clear and the grammar is just like a really pointed speech um, that, that if you, I can only imagine what it would have been like to be at Mount Sinai and like hearing these words and, and God is talking to, to the individual's heart and it's like just piercing that individual right to their bones, cutting right through them as the word of God can do, dividing asunder even joints and marrow. You know, this, this is very, very imperative and pointed for each individual. And that informs the context of the, you shall impress this upon your children. Um, and, and that's just very interesting because this is the only place where that word that is translated as oppress, impress, um, and that's how mine renders it, but it, many translations render this teach and you shall teach this diligently to your children. That teach diligently or impress this upon your children is like, is the only place where it's used to mean teaching. Everywhere else it is used like uh, to talk about arrows piercing or swords stabbing. And it's like this military sort of weapon terminology. Um, and what I'm getting from that is that you, you impress them. I like that term because it's like pressing a stylus into wax, the wax of their heart. You know, it's first it's into your heart and then you're taking this pattern that has been 
place in your heart. Now you're now impressing this, teaching it diligently to your children. Um, and that's just really, there again, like that, that's kind of a little play on words, maybe a pun there, not intentionally, um, but you know, it's pointed, it is pointed to the individual's heart and it is pointed to the child's heart that you are impressing this to. And it is, that's, that's a very interesting thing. And we don't see that pattern really anywhere else in scripture. Um, <clears throat> That's. I mean, let me jump, let me jump in here for Please. just a moment. Please, yeah, absolutely. Because, um, it, it it really it's it seems it seems to um, coincide with with the priority of with the, the we want the word of God to um, to to penetrate the hearts and minds of our children. You know, in, in other words, the. The 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 aim is not mere mere head knowledge or the regurgitation of information from the mouth. Um, the 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 goal is not some um, you know some neat and tidy checklist that makes everyone feel good um, because it appears decent enough, but rather the aim is. The hearts of our children, and that and that goes that goes right along with, you know, it goes right along with what you see in um, in the book of Proverbs. You know, for example, um, um, he says um, in Proverbs chapter three, um, verse, let's just say verse three: um, Let not uh, steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you; mm-hmm. bind them around your neck. There's that binding and that a physical location in your neck, but but then write them on the tablet of your heart. Mm-hmm. So that, like the, the, that's that's the, the the goal is always yeah. to get is to get our teaching. We're supposed to be teaching them, you know, the, the word of the Lord, but to get our teaching upon the hearts of our children mm-hmm. to the point where we're not only doing everything in our power to get the word into their hearts. But so we're also um, encouraging them to be proactive in that process, right? Write, write them, write, mm-hmm. write, write steadfast love and faithfulness on the tablet of your heart. I mean, a really good question would be, how do I do that? How do I, how do I, obviously there's, there's, there's metaphor there, but it's pointing to a, a deep, a deep transformational reality. How do I, how do I write the, the word, you know, how do I write divine words upon, upon, upon the tablet of my heart. And then it just one more thought there. The next verse says, so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. You know, you think about statements, uh, about like the young Samuel or John the Baptist or the Lord Jesus, you know, um, as they were, you know, growing in, Growing in stature and and uh, in wisdom and in favor with God and man, and you, you see that at, at the heart of that is a is something is going on in the depths of the heart, where the heart itself is actively engaging with the words of God, mm-hmm. and you know so so I'm just you know just that whole idea well, that's excellent. That's that, excellent. That, that we would be that we would be impressing upon I, I uh, that we would be. Um, teaching our children with a view to it 
it, you know, getting through their exterior, you know, um, into their heart. I mean, what a, what a, what a goal. I mean, how do we, you know, how do we, how do we do that? (laughs) Um, well, so that's a good question. And I, I don't have a prepared answer. That's okay. <laughs> it's good thinking um, about. It's a great thing to think about. And I think that, you know, the first chapter of Proverbs might offer some clues. So I'm, I'm looking there because like the, it starts off in, in Proverbs that the, the reason of Proverbs is for knowing wisdom and discipline, for understanding the words of understanding mm-hmm. and for receiving the discipline of wisdom, righteousness, right ruling, straightness. For giving insight to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young, the wise one hears and increases learning, and the understanding one gets wise counsel. For understanding a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and their riddles, and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and discipline, but my son, heed the discipline of your father, and do not forsake the law, the Torah of your mother. For they are a wreath of, oh, that's an interesting word, glory on your head and necklaces on your neck. And then Proverbs 2 is, is like, it's really like pro- wisdom is, is protecting your path in Proverbs chapter 2. And then in Proverbs chapter 3, wisdom is directing your path. And then in Proverbs 3, we see wisdom perfecting our path. So there's a development, and you know, Proverbs, oh, I'm sorry, Proverbs four. I, I got those references, those chapter references wrong. Proverbs two, wisdom di- perfecting our path. Three, directing our path. Four, perfecting our fat path. Burp, burp, burp. And Proverbs four one is saying, you know, children listen to the discipline of your father, and give attention to no understanding, for I gave you good instruction, and do not forsake my Torah. For I was my father's son, tender and the only one in the eyes of my mother. Then he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words, guard my commands and live. Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not leave her, let her guard you. Love her and let her watch over you. Talking about wisdom in in, in the feminine and it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing. It's such a wonderful thing to meditate on, on Proverbs. And, and, and I mean, it's, it's wonderful for me as an individual, but also as a parent to impress these things upon my children. Because it's like, it's, it's right here. He, he really does a great job of articulating this, this, what needs to happen in the heart. Let your heart hold fast my words. And guard my commands. You know what's interesting? One thing that's interesting about this, I haven't really thought much about this, but um, I mean, it, 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 it shouldn't be lost on us that, that, um, that, the, that the father here um, is actually writing, he's, he's actually addressing his son. Mm-hmm. I mean... Um, I don't know exactly the format in which he got this across initially and, and, and the process that eventually led to its inclusion in the canon of Scripture, but, 
but I just thinking about it by way of, by, by way of example, I mean, uh, think about the, think about the value of if a father actually sat down and wrote his son, a series of letters. Mm-hmm. I mean, here, my son, your father's instruction. And then, you, you know, you, you, what follows and then my son if you receive my words i mean that that would be that would be so um heartfelt and intentional and thoughtful and the the benefit in the in the in the child of receiving a thoughtful letter like that um you know i think uh letter or no letter i think that we were very rushed i mean maybe it's maybe it's the nature of the anxious sinful heart in general to be rushed but i think especially in our own cultural moment with um just the 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 potential distractions are so many the potential piling up of things on the schedule is so great that i think i think we rush a lot Mm -hmm. and you you get the idea here where the father himself is 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 inviting the son to sit sit with god's words mm-hmm. yeah sit, absolutely sit with them think think about them internalize them think about think about real life situations in which others it could be the violent men of of, of chapter one or it could be the adulterous woman coming up in subsequent chapters you know lady lady folly in all of yeah. her various manifestations <laughs> yes. right think of the various situations in which in which someone is trying to get you to come off the path of wisdom mm-hmm. so i so the one thing that's just jumping out to me right now is just because I I, I I i i rush too yeah. um, too often i take the easy way out yeah. I, I i want i want but this is He's, he's, he's taking care. He's taking great pains, just like the Apostle Paul did with his letters. Mm-hmm. And um, really trying to, uh, you know, to drive home God's truth to the hearer. And so I, w- I, would, I, would, I would challenge all of us, myself included, to learn to slow down and sit with God's Word. Mm-hmm. Sit with your children and God's Word and, and press them to sit and think and ponder, mm-hmm. um, even to problem solve. Like imagine, you know, real life scenarios that uh, you don't. You don't need. To, you don't need. To, you don't need much of an imagination. I mean, if you're observing children and yeah. sibling dynamics and and circumstantial dynamics and relationships to parents, it's not or things that if you if you're reading books or if you're watching any programs. I mean, all, all kinds of situations like just slow down and process stuff together and think about it from God's point of view. And, and boy, that can really, I think that could really help to shape their hearts. Amen. I believe it. Yeah. I think that's, that's excellent. I, I need to slow down too. So I'm in that, in that boat with you. Do you need to slow, do you need to slow down, <laughs> uh, dear listener? <clears throat> Apparently we do. <laughs> Psalm, Psalm 118 has been so rich and I, I really would love to encourage people to to dive into it. Which one? Psalm 119. Oh, Psalm 119. Yeah, because it it seems big. It seems daunting, um, but it's, it's really quite beautiful and brilliant and artistic in how it's been composed 
and how the thoughts seem to flow upon you know many rereadings and, and careful study of it. Um, what I have what in, in reference to this dialogue and this conversation and topic, what I what I want to share is that we see um, many different words in Psalm 119 referring to the revelation of God's his word, how, how God has revealed himself. And uh, the psalm, the psalmist, in this one chapter uses 10 different words to communicate the revelation of God. So he uses Torah or the law. Uh, he uses your word, and, and there's two different words that will be translated as your word, um, both Dabar and Imra. He uses his witnesses. He uses his right rulings or his, uh, his, uh, his, um, his like righteous judgments. Mm -hmm. um, he uses uh, your commands, uh, your laws, your orders, righteousness. Um, also, there's two different words for, that are translated as way or path. Um, and these are things that are God, God has revealed himself in these different areas. And he is communicating this to, to his son, or to a young man, in, in starting in, in verse 9, which is the beginning of the bait uh, stanza, which would be like alf, aleph, bait. So it's like A, B. This would be like the second stanza of eight verses, where he says, how would a young man cleanse his path? Well, by guarding it according to your word. Hmm. Uh, I have sought you with all my heart. Well, that's because something's been impressed upon his heart. Let me not stray from your commands. So there's a, a direction of travel, and I'm facing in that direction. I have treasured up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So there's this relationship that he's going to take the words and he's going to masticate, muse upon, plant them deep inside himself, impress them on his own heart because he's concerned with sinning against God. Um, blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your laws. And with my lips, I recount all the right rulings, the, the, your justice the, of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your witnesses as over all riches. And I meditate on your orders and I regard your ways. I delight myself in your laws and I do not forget your word. Um, this is such an interesting thing because we see these same key phrases back in Deuteronomy. Um, uh, commands, statutes, judgments. So what I'm, what I'm drawing out of this is that the revelation of God's commands, his commandments, his statutes and judgments are to be the first and preeminent focus of my own heart and the lessons that I impress upon my children. These things are priority. These things are first. Um, and again, like the, in, in, the, in the first eight verses, we see these keywords again, and we see these keywords repeated throughout Psalm 119. And these keywords are also in Deuteronomy 6. And it's like, well, th this, is, this, this is telegraphing to me the preeminent importance and priority of hitting these particular targets 
And, and um, if, if it's like, what do I impress? Do I impress all of this? Well, yeah, that's obviously ideal. But to make it a little bit more practical and more functional and more like, what is our focus today? We want to learn reading, writing, and arithmetic. Well, today our focus is the commandments and the statutes and the judgments because through that we get to interact with the, the, the authority of God, the fear of the Lord, his, his righteousness, his, his glory, and how he handles how he handles things. He is just. He has his statutes, and the statutes is like, like think I think statue. I think carved in stone. I think Ten Commandments when I think statutes, because like that's that's what that the roots of that word is like. You have it has been etched into marble. It is immovable. It is unerasable. It is going to stand the test of time. It will weather and weather will not wash away the significance of these words. These, this is the revelation of God. And I want to focus on those things and what it is that I'm impressing upon my kids because from that, everything else is building. You know, the commandments are love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor like you love yourself. And on this, everything is going to be stacked. Yeah. Everything is going to yeah. hang and everything is going to build. And... And just in this study of you know Deuteronomy five and six and Psalm one nineteen and, and Proverbs and those various areas, I am seeing an amazing path of path of uh, of, uh, of of teaching, uh, developing uh, a development of ideas as as the text progresses. But it's not just the development ideas; it's also the writers of the text applying those words of Deuteronomy. And here's an example of, of, of an application. So it's like, well, impress these upon your children. Teach these diligently upon, to your children. Uh, bind them. Uh, these things are now being exposited in these other passages by the writer. Um, and it's funny because like that terminology, like bind this. Bind this to your hands. Bind this to your, to your heads. And we know like the Jews, like they have their phylacteries and they'll put the Torah in this little box and they'll attach it physically and they'll physically do this thing. Um, we see folly is bound, same word, in the heart of a child. And it is through discipline and through wisdom that that, be, that, that folly can now be recalibrated according to the revelation of God's word. And it's, it's a really beautiful thing. And I just have been a lot of, have had a lot of fun with it. And there's no real, there's no real place for me to stop talking about it. Cause like, there's, there's so much more that we could say. You mean we can't, we can't cover all 176 verses. And I want to, in, uh, um, but in the, in the very specific vein of parents with their children, there's, there's a lot of richness here and there's a lot of great example here and a awesome guidance and practical wisdom for life. And I think we all need practical wisdom for life. Well, and I w we do. Um, definitely. We all need practical wisdom for life. I would also just encourage us in terms of Scripture is given to us um, in such a way that it, it has, um, you know, short, digestible sections for us to grapple with. You know, it's not like here, here's a, you know, here's a, here's a book, you know, uh, here's a big book, you know, re really difficult to find your way around and just have at it. 
Um, obviously, it's it's good to increasingly familiarize ourselves with the whole Bible. But you just think about the Ten Commandments. I mean, you know, the, one of my favorite authors that I've mentioned before, Daniel Block, has, has you know, I, I think his view is that you know the the Ten Commandments is kind of a you know memory device. You know, you get ten mm-hmm. fingers, mm-hmm. Ten, ten, ten commandments. Yeah. Or you think of Jesus boiling it down to, to two, you know, the, the greatest commandment and the second most important commandment. Uh, you think about, um, well, Psalm 119, uh, 22, eight verse stanzas with each stanza, all starting with the same letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Uh, okay, we'll take, take, take a small chunk at a time and, and work through it. Or you think about all the, all the different, you know, the different, the different, uh, stories of scripture where, you know, don't just, don't just sit down and, and, and read it, but like talk, talk through the story, get, get, you know, get, get your, get your children or get your family like interacting with, okay, what, what happened? What happened next? Is that okay? You know, what, what, what did he do? You know? Um, and you know, so scripture is, I mean, granted there are some challenging parts of scripture, like even, even, you know, Peter acknowledged that some of the things that Paul wrote were hard to understand. Um, but, but God wants us to understand his word and he's given us his word in such a way that you just take, you take a small portion at a time and chew on it, meditate on it, discuss it, Mm -hmm. apply it, revisit it, and then go do another, go to another small chunk and do the same thing. And, you know, and gradually you, 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 gradually you build up a real, real interactiveness with, with what scripture teaches. Absolutely. Yeah. That's great advice. Nibble at it and keep nibbling. At Absolutely. It. Yeah. Yeah. And also, and another thing to remember is, um, I think sometimes people might feel that maybe they maybe they feel frustrated that, um, they wish they knew more. Mm. They wish that they, you know, they, they, they wish that their, you know, that their knowledge and sanctification were complete um, already. I mean, don't we all? Yeah, that'd be lovely. But, 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 <laughs> but, but that's not reality. Yeah, that's like, right. that's not reality. And, not and, yet. What, and what you were saying, you know, the, the, in Psalm 119 there, you, you gave voice to a prayer, you know, like, you know, it, Teach me your ways, O Lord. That might not be the exact verse that you read, mm-hmm. but but that that idea of, you know, Lord, teach me your ways. Or in the Proverbs, I think you know one of the Proverbs it says it says something like, um, you know, the beginning of wisdom is this: get wisdom. Yeah, yeah. Like, don't be ashamed of the fact that you are um, deficient in wisdom. Mm-hmm. Don't be ashamed of the fact that you have more to learn. I would just say, like, join the club. Yeah. Like, we all, we are all deficient in wisdom. We are all deficient in knowledge. We are all deficient in the sanctification process. We're all deficient in our obedience. And um, instead of, instead of despairing over that fact, um, let's seek, let's seek the Lord daily. Let's humble ourselves as learners Mm-hmm. Who would who would receive the revelation of His Word, uh, the revelation of His grace, the revelation of His design for our lives, and let's let's grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's take let's take one step today yeah. on that you know on that journey. Yeah, as, as far as taking steps is concerned, sometimes it's not immediately 
obvious what the lesson is. Like, like so like, it's, I really noticed this in my study of Psalm 119, because it is so massive, I had to nibble at it, and it took me a long time. It took me days. And there were, there were a number of days where I'm just like, I don't really necessarily know where I'm going with this. I don't know, I don't, like I see, it's all good, it's all great, it's amazing. Um, but it, like the, there is a lot to be gleaned with diligent study over time and camping out in a particular space and taking the time to really, really work through it slowly and digest it carefully and to think about it thoughtfully. And it's like, it, it doesn't produce immediate results but it will produce results. It's just, it's that diligence, it's that consistency and continuing to challenge, you know, to challenge oneself in that direction. Um, you know, it, it, we all rush, we all are pressed for time and it's hard to make time and it's hard to study thoroughly. And we have an immediate gratification culture where we wanna just throw it in the microwave and two minutes later I have a, a really spiritually enriching doctrinal devotion that is going to set me right for the rest of my day. And it's like, this, this isn't, this, there, there's, there's not a lot of fast food here. There's a lot of really good, rich food, um, but it takes a moment. And like, I would want to encourage people to, to continue, like read, read for the sake of just the enjoyment of reading. But to also not be intimidated or afraid of doing the hard work of study, and it, it might not, it, it might not like give you butterflies. The, like, it might not give you butterflies with a short amount of investment. It might take some time, and then with some time, you start to see, wow, wow, that's wow. This is I never noticed that, and like those those connections are are, it just priceless treasures that are the the fruit of careful study and and like whatever excitement that you have over the word with surface reading um, that excitement is only enhanced with deeper study so i would really encourage that scripture is a uh, is a it's healthy eating yeah and it's and it's uh it's good for you mm -hmm. and it makes a difference Mm. And uh, it may not always be. Uh, it's not the immediate, like the immediate splash, right? But it's the it's the digging in and and pressing pressing in and being transformed uh, that makes makes a real difference. So, um, well, thank you, thank you for thank you for sharing. Maybe we'll maybe we'll revisit uh, Psalm one nineteen in the future because there's there's a lot there. Yeah, I hope so. Um, and uh, but. Uh, Lord willing, Lord willing, uh, next week uh, we're going to have um, another guest on the podcast, and so uh, we'll, we'll uh, I, you know, hopefully, hopefully that will that will all work out well. Um, and in the meantime, uh, we appreciate the fact that you're listening to this podcast. Uh, we invite feedback and questions and ideas, uh, anything that you think would be helpful uh, to the podcast ministry or to you or people that you know, uh, we'd love to want, 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 want to be helpful. Um, and uh, again, we we uh, we do want to.
publicly uh, acknowledge uh, Caleb Lynch for his engineering work on this uh, podcast and also for Aaron Darrell and allowing us to use his music at the beginning of the podcast. Um, and uh, yeah, so we, we were also just recently graced with an amazing donation. Right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. Some, somebody, somebody gave a gift in order to, uh, without getting into all the technicality of it, uh, which I hardly understand at all. Um, ba basically, uh, we found a, a more affordable way to get a third, a third microphone here. And, uh, somebody, somebody donated some money to get a device that will enable us to, to have the third microphone. So that's a, that's a huge blessing, um, just for the, the podcast and listening experience with, you know, having that third mic in play. Absolutely. So cool. Yeah. So, well, we'll just close with a quick prayer. We just thank you, Father, for this opportunity to discuss your word. And we thank you for our listeners. And we ask that you just bless them as they go in your grace and peace. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>